Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Hoss Holding, the 60-year-old outlaw, and the current pound-for-pound champion at Dog Pound Championship Wrestling, and you are listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Dog Pound Championship Wrestling is the promotion ran by Rodney Mack and Jazz. And on this episode, their champion, Don Haas Holding, is our special guest. Now imagine this, a guy who is 59 years old, and yet he has crawled and scraped and worked his way up to becoming champion of wrestling promotion. Don Haas Holding reminds me of the Bob Seger hit, The Fire Inside. In fact, at the end of the song, there is a line that goes, Dreams die hard, and we watch them erode, but we cannot be denied the fire inside. You're going to hear my conversation with Don Haas Holding in a moment, but first, have you subscribed to the Panera Bread Unlimited Sip Club? Folks, what are you waiting on here? We're talking $8.99 a month, so you can grab yourself a drink once every two hours. It is fantastic. And let me tell you something. They've expanded the Unlimited Sip Club. So not only can you get your hot or iced coffee or your hot or iced tea, now you can get the fountain drink. So if you want to grab yourself a soda or check this out. Okay, we are talking about the Charged Lemonades. Strawberry Lemon Mint, Fuji Apple Cranberry, or the Mango Yuzu Citrus. Okay, these are clean energy drinks, folks. Okay, we're talking about Guarana and Green Coffee Extract. Gives you a nice little boost. It certainly keeps me charged up to deliver the best episodes of Duke Loves Wrestling for you. So what are you waiting on? Visit your local Panera Bread or go to PaneraBread.com. Sign up for the Unlimited Sip Club Enjoy. You're locked in. This is what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> Well, Haas Holden, you know, first and foremost, my old friend here, it's been a while. I, I am so happy to have you on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. How you doing? You know, I'm doing fine. I, I'm glad that I'm on here. Uh, I did not really appreciate some of the things you said about me to uh, a uh, gentleman who I don't have very little respect for, Nate Nasty. I heard that. I heard you calling me out. I called you out on social media. That's how I got here because I like to address things. So maybe you youngsters don't understand the things that we address it, but I like to either get to talking about it, meet in person, or whatever we got to do. Okay. Now, now, see, I thought we were going to have a cordial conversation here, but I see what's happening here. Because I pointed out the fact that that you've been eating some of that avocado toast, you know, you, you, you got some uh, – you're getting a little little uh, puffy chest here, Hoss Holding. So here's what's going to happen. I need you to tell me, where are you going to be for the rest of the, the day? I need, I need the address. 
I need uh, the GPS coordinates, the whole nine yards. Where are you going to be for the rest of the day? And once I have that information, I am going to make sure I'm on the complete opposite end of the universe. Okay. Because I'm not going to play around with you. You're bigger than me. You got bigger muscles than me. You can fight. I'm just a guy that runs his mouth. I don't want any problems from the big horse holding. Okay. All right. I'm going to look past that. You don't know me very well. I don't know you very well. I do know one thing we have in common. We both love professional wrestling. How about if we go there and talk about that? All right. That's it. That's a deal. See that, that a deal? it's a, it's a truce. Okay, everybody out there in 2022, people with differences can find a way to find some common ground here. You see that, folks, if 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 the the world champion over there, Haas Holden, if he can find common ground with the Duke, then so can you with whomever you have conflict with. I love it. It's great. It's great. That's that's we got to set an example. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We sure do. Later, but right now we're going to we're going to show the world. We're going to set an example Two fellers with a lot of disagreement. We're going to come together and we're going to talk about something we both enjoy. That's right. That's right. And listen, if, if Texas and Boston could get together, then anyone can. So I love it. Now, you just celebrated a birthday, didn't you? Actually, my birthday will be this January. So I'm January the 6th, 1962. It puts me 60 years old. Incredible. Incredible. 60 years old. You're still winning championships. You're still beating people up. Uh, you know, less than half your age, more than half your age. It doesn't really matter. What is going on here? What the heck are you doing still wrestling in, in uh, and not only still wrestling, still winning championships here at Haas Holden? Well, and if I could, I, let, me, let me take a minute. So I'm really very new inside the wrestling ring. You know, I started this journey at 57. So, and the first championship I've won is a current championship that I hold. You know, I started Duke back, I wanted to always be a professional wrestler. I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Obviously, that was Bon Eric country, the Sportatorium. Everybody knows about that. And, you know, any kid growing up in that area, you know, we always want to be wrestlers. In 1988, I had an opportunity. It's kind of – and I know I'm sure there was a few more schools back then, but it was unheard of for an advertisement to come on. Do you want to be a professional wrestler? It was the Chris Adams School. He went kind of mainstream with it. He kind of opened the curtain. And so I drove there. Uh, I saw it. I said, man, this is it. I drove there, sat across the table from him, seen all these guys, you know, training. And and uh, he said, well, it's going to be $1,500. And I said, well, did you take payments? He says, nope. So I said, well, man, I don't got the money. I can't do it. It's nice seeing you. So I drove, I lived in a little town called Maypro back then. And, um, man, I drove home, dude, I was in tears because I saw this dream going away. Um, and I got home, I had three babies, uh, had a newborn one, three and one five. Um, I didn't have any money. I, I couldn't even make 150 rent payment back then. So I, um, hugged my kids, said it was going to be okay. And went about my business and started this career that I'm in now, you know, in the environmental industry. So, and I really just drove away from wrestling from, from that day on. I just, I didn't want to be around it because it hurt so bad to be away from it. Well, that's, that's an interesting history there. I'm, I'm very uh, intrigued by that because, you know, I'm a young guy that grew up with 
the Vaughn Ericks, of course. And, you know, all that world-class championship wrestling, that was, that's, that's my time, man. That's, that's my time. hundred uh, percent. I was fortunate enough to have cable at a very early age. And this is back when there were very few channels and, you know, everybody was always looking for content. So it was easy to find pro wrestling back then. In fact, I, I would say that we had more pro wrestling on cable TV back in the early 80s than we do even today. Uh, I, I, you know, I got to see it from everywhere. So world class was always on TV, especially with their ESPN deal. Um, the gentleman, Chris Adams, the, the master of the super kick. I remember Chris Adams like like it was yesterday. And fast forwarding to that time period that you're talking about, 1988, 1989, when he really got serious about training the next generation of wrestlers. Did you know that um, Steve Austin, he started training with Chris Adams right around that same time that you're talking about? In fact, I, I know Austin made his debut officially in 89, so he would have been training in mid to late 88, getting himself ready there. Did, did you know about that, Don? Yeah, I knew he trained there. Um, there was a few others that trained their names. Give me right. But yes, there was, uh, there was a, a lot of folks that trained there. Um, like I say, now I don't think Steve Austin back then, he was invited in. I don't think he actually saw the ad and came a running to it. He was brought in to train, right? He actually came in, I believe right before Chris had him start running the ads, but, Basically, it was um, kind of the end of an era, too, I guess. You know, they were, it's like any other business, they were generating revenue and training brought a lot of revenue, you know. So, but I don't know if Steve Austin actually came in based on the advertisement that I saw or as he wasn't, some of those guys were still invited into the business. Yeah, I think, I think the story goes and directly from him, uh, he was in the crowd. He was going to the sportatorium all the time and, you know, he, playing football in college and all that good stuff. So good sized kid. And, you know, people invited him, like you just said, Hey, you want to, you want to train to be a pro wrestler. And that's where he linked up with uh, Chris Adams and the rest is history there. But it's so interesting because you were down there at that time. This is where you're born and raised where you're from. So you in your own way have a connection to that, that legacy. So again, it was way too much money. Unreasonable. You know, fifteen hundred dollars, especially back then. I mean, Jesus, it, how much? How much would that be in today's uh, money? That's got to be what, like five, five, ten grand, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, it's it 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 was a lot of money for sure. But I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer the good Lord had a way of looking out. Maybe He was looking out for me. I see so many of the guys that I know now that were that are my age or older or maybe a few years younger that really chose that wrestling career and some of those guys have regrets as far you know they miss so much of their family you know the one thing i could say that balanced out for me is man i got to make sure i made to the my kids ball games my daughter's dances and the events and the events of their life and invest in them so you know i could raise them to be productive and not saying that the other kids were not either but i didn't i, I didn't miss it and i'm very thankful for that you know i'm always thankful things have a way of working itself out i'm kind of thinking of where i'm at now maybe the good lord kind of blessed me said okay you know you did what you're supposed to do as a dad and you know i'm going to give you just a taste of, of, of it so you can really enjoy it this time of your life well it's interesting because not long after you win a different way and did not 
you know, go through training with Chris Adams and what have you, that territory pretty much it dried up, at least for world class. Um, That's when global came around and took over basically whatever was left global wrestling federation. Cause they started right around 89, 90, right? Yep. You know, and so you talk about the era too. So, you know, and you mentioned that, you know, cable TV started, you know, you had, there was other more content to watch wrestling, as you said, and it started growing and kind of the territory started dying off and, uh, you know, kind of became a free for all when it came to wrestling Plus, other events became available. You know, before cable, you only had a few channels, and you'd watch the football game on one channel and, you know, the whatever they had on the other four or five channels. When cable came into homes, you had more watching content. Um, as we continue, we get more things to do, you know, than uh, wrestling. So, you know, to me, I don't think people ever got tired of wrestling. I just think there was just more things people could get out and do and started doing it, you know, and with the TV watching, with the cable, you know, also you got access to more college football games. You got access to more baseball games. You got access to, you know, whatever you're interested in watching. And that dilutes the market. And I think about that time you saw the sportatorium market get diluted because people were finding other things to do and watch. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. You're absolutely right about that. So I'm curious, though, because like you said, you you had an opportunity to train. Uh, it was way too much money, way, way too unreasonable uh, for a young man, especially uh, at that time in life. So you went a different way and, and eventually found a, a, a stable career and got yourself together and, and took care of your family, what have you. But I know you primarily as a promoter so how did you get to the point where you came back to pro wrestling and you started promoting shows yourself so we moved to san antonio in 95 and uh some changes happened and in the early 2000s um my uh son uh was following some of the independents locally and like i said i i I didn't know really what the independents were doing. I was out of it. And so he taught me to take him to a show. And so we went to the, to a local show here in San Antonio. Good wrestling. Uh, I mean, there was guys like Mike Dale, Hernandez. I mean, just a phenomenal show. Um, however, the production was crazy. There was only like 40 people in the crowd. If that it was in a church. Uh, trash bags for an entrance. No, and no fault of anybody. I'm not pointing fingers. It's just that the presentation wasn't very professional. And so I started going around and then well, time elapsed. I guess it was probably in 2006, 2005, 2006. So when we started going to these shows, so I started going to a few more shows and I saw, I saw good, right. The training was, you know, for guys were getting trained. There was good talent there. But there was no, I'm a firm believer in production of your product. And there was no production whatsoever in the product. And so I said, man, I got to, you know, I got flowing a little bit there. And I decided, you know what, I got to do something about this. So I um, started talking to some people. Um, I um, got me a booker, uh, Dusty Wolf, and invested quite a bit of money, unheard of amount of money 
into a company called Southern Championship Wrestling. We started it from the ground. You know, I bought a very nice sound system, bought tens of thousands of dollars worth of lights and production, uh, hooked up with a ring crew. And I started going to, I stayed out of San Antonio, always found it easy to market the towns, then uh, to get lost in a big city that was having so much going on. You were, when you would go to a small town like Uvalde or Carrizo Springs or Pleasanton, Pearsall, Castroville, you were, you were it, you were the, you were the event. So, and it's easy to promote those. So, and we uh, would really um, put on a show, you know, from, you know, starting our show exactly at, at 7.30, as we said we would on the flyer, uh, having a whole production entrance of starting the show with lasers and lights and music to, and to enhance, to, to enhance the guys participating into the wrestling. So it set the mood, it set the auditorium, you know, it got the, it got everything flowing. And, um, and it really took off. And we were, there was one other company that I felt like that put time back then in production. And that was, uh, XCW and Knight Davis owned up in Denton, which I've always looked up to the guys, phenomenal promoter and phenomenal guy in the business and, and much respect. So I know Dusty was booking for him too. So we were working together a little bit through Dusty and, um, but the production was so important. So that's what really got me started was a production of what I wanted to accomplish to start helping wrestling again. Cause I had the means to do it. Kids were grown, um, you know, and, um, so I had the time and the means and the, and the resources to do it. So, and it was important to me. And I thought it would squelch this burning that I drove away from in 1988, but it helped, but it didn't do it all the way. So you were promoting and, at some point over the past couple of years, you decided, you know something, I think I'm going to start beating people up. <laughs> so how do we get to the point well, where now you go from being the guy that walked away because it wasn't the right time to being the guy who's promoting the shows to now you're the guy that's beating the hell out of people inside the ring at shows. Well, you know, and I, so, and I go back, so we ran from 2007 to 2013 with Southern championship wrestling. Uh, our house burnt down. My, I weighed 360, 365. My health got horrible. I mean, I was in such bad health. And so I just got, I had, we had to close it down. And we actually had our own building. We ran uh, weekly and bi weekly after the end. But uh, my health got so bad. Um, then our house burnt down. And I just had to take, I had to step back. And so we stepped back till, you know, till 2019, I guess. And, I got thinking, you know, if I ever want to promote again, you know, I want to, um, I want to do it correctly. And so I want to, I want to learn, you know, even when I promoted, I never once stepped in the wrestling ring to work. That was not my job. My job was to build the crowds, to, uh, put on a pro professional, to build a professional company. And I've done a lot in it. All my work is what I've done. I've built companies. And so, I decided if I was going to promote again, I've got to, I want to do it right. So I want to get in shape. I want to go to a school and I want to learn how to wrestle from the inside of the ropes. So that if I ever promote again one day, at least the guys who I'm talking to, to ask them to do something, at least they know that I have paid my dues. And so, and plus it was a dream. And so I uh, started working out. I started getting in shape. 
I went to a, uh, a previous training school and I was there for about a year, maybe a little longer. Uh, we, and I'm going to be nice here. We just decided to part ways. Um, I came up to Rodney and jazz and they completely changed my entire direction of who I am. They brought out who I wanted to be as a professional wrestler. By then I was in good shape, you know, six, one, two sixty five. Folks say, I don't look 60 years old. You know, they can go to my Facebook page and say, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't worry about it. It just, I know that I'm having fun. And, uh, they threw me right into the fire. You know, they, they gave me a few months with them under their toolage and training. They cleaned me up and put me out there on the streets, man. Said, Hey, you're ready. And I have had some amazing matches. I've made my mistakes. Uh, but it's also, I'm paying my dues and it, you know, traveling around. Um, we still train, you know, two to three times a week. Um, expect to do so much in the gym that we've got to take care of. You know, they hold us accountable for that. Um, how we help with the show, you know, we still tear down our rings. We put up the rings. You know, we do all that stuff. I hope one day, like I say, once I feel like I'm no longer a vital asset as a wrestler, then I can, um, you know, if I decide to go back to promoting it, I know I've done it the right way now. And I, and it's important to me. And not only that, when I took this journey, you know, I think, you know, I can make a difference. So many of us guys, and, and you're probably going to get to this area, you know, you, we sit there, man, through life and we bust it for our families. We bust it for our companies. We bust it for people. When we're young guys, we have a dream, right? Like we've got this dream. We're going to be, we're going to be a wrestler. We're going to be president. Uh, we're going to be this. But life tends to beat the crap out of it as you as you go along. And we lose our dream. Our dream gets dissolved into just living and existing. Yeah, you know, we enjoy things, but I mean, to, to lose a dream, you know, it's horrible. So to for me now to show people like, hey, man, I was in bad shape. I was 57 years old. I had this burning dream to finish from 1988 and I got off my keister and I did something about it. And now I'm living it. Hopefully that sends a message just because we're turning fifties and sixties, we don't have to lose our dream, you know, just invest in yourself and man, we can still achieve anything we want to achieve. I'll be the first to admit, I'm not going to be the best wrestler on the card that night. I'm not going to be the most athletic, but I hope the story that I'm telling, I think that, professional wrestling is trying to tell a story and that's what i'm trying to tell this story is that you know hey man you don't have to give up on a dream because of age i mean that's pretty it's pretty inspirational that's that's sage uh outlook there and it's true you're absolutely right you're living proof of that how do you feel <laughs> especially when you after your wrestling matches how do you feel how's, how, how's your body holding up you know, it was funny. I was asked that. I was talking with a client yesterday and a wrestling fan, and uh, he's been in one of my shows. And and um, he asked me, man, how do you put your body through that? I mean, how do you feel? Well, I mean, I've got a slight tear in my shoulder and my rotator cuff. My hips are sore. My knee's sore. I've got a uh, tear in my – you would think a tear in your thumb, like a ligament or a pulled ligament in your thumb and a slight tear in your thumb – Man, that's painful, you know, because you got to, I've got to lift weights and I'm going to have to, you know, I've got to doctor my hand up just to lift to do the things. But, you know, it's funny is when 
when you're in the curtain and you're fixing to walk out, that adrenaline you have, the emotions that are running, especially for a passion I have for professional wrestling. And it's all emotion and this has been built up my whole entire life. And I know each time could be my last time I walk out for this experience. And for that moment, you don't hurt a bit, you know, that evening. And you can go out and you can do what you do, you know, in the wrestling ring. Now, you're going to be sore the next day, but that adrenaline, I'm sure a lot of the guys know about it who are in the business and are listening. No, that adrenaline, man, that's a, that's, it's addictive because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an all heel. Cause I promise you when I'm sitting there waiting for my music to play or right when my music start, man, I don't have an ache or a pain or a worry in the world. How important are Rodney Mack and jazz to this, this second act of yours, uh, this, this resurgence of, of Haas Holden? You know, I, um, number one, I love them both very much. They, I came to their doorstep. I thought my dream was dead. I was uh, dejected. I was upset. I was ready to give up. And I showed up on their front porch. They heard me out, uh, saw what I went through. Uh, they picked me up. They gave me a hug and said, we're going to give you an opportunity. And they said, come up to the, come up to the school. And I went up to the school. I didn't know anybody at this, at this school. I was intimidated a little bit. I was nervous. I didn't think I belonged. They threw me into the ring right off the bat in a match. <laughs> That's how we did school. Six minutes and the rest is history. And then, you know, we have a, I have a very special bond with uh, Jazz and Rodney, like uh, our bond will go way past wrestling. Let's put it that way for what they have done. And, and, and in return, I try to give back as much as possible. You know, these shows, you know, try to help any way I can to um, help with promoting the, like Castleville's my hometown. You know, they, we run the shows there and it's a good thing, you know, Brady, Texas, I have contacts and stuff up there. Uh, we had a huge crowd, and that's another great place we're going to be running. Hopefully, those types of towns give back to the company. So, you know, we have a, a very great relationship. And like I say, beyond wrestling, I could never do enough for what they've done for me. I, I just, there's no way. There's, I could sit here and do it for what they have given me. I mean, how, how, many people can say that two people came into your life when you were almost 60 years old and paid and help you and showed you how to pave a path to live a childhood dream. How do, how, how do you, how do you even pay homage to that? So I'm forever grateful and blessed that they came into my life. And like I say, long after we're all out of wrestling and retired or doing whatever, we will still, be close for what they have meant to me. You know, Haas Holden, I'm a, I'm a lifelong pro wrestling fan. Literally my first memory of being alive is watching uh flair and Harley race in the cage over at Starcade. <laughs> so literally that's the fact that I could even remember that I wasn't even a year old, but I, I remember it like it was yesterday, just everything about that match and just the excitement and what have you. So pro wrestling has always been here for me. And I've never been shy about my fandom, my love of pro wrestling. So even people who knew me as a kid 
and maybe you know it's been it's been 20 30 years since they've seen me 30 plus years since they've seen me um and then you know family gatherings sometimes funerals you run into people and it's like oh yeah wait a second you're the kid that loved wrestling and it's like damn you're damn right you know what i mean so it's it's who i am um no one's really surprised to hear that I'm still a wrestling fan if they knew me way back when. How are people who may not know your whole life story, know your connection to wrestling? Because you're a big deal in your professional career. You've been very successful. How do people react when they find out that you're actually a wrestling champion on top of all this other stuff, especially if they didn't know your history to begin with? You know, and they, and it's, I, I, number one, everybody is very positive about it. Um, they, uh, number one, they say I look like a wrestler because, you know, man, I wear a t-shirt and blue jeans. I've got a beanie hat on. I've got long hair. I've got my beard flowing and really anybody in the environmental industry don't have beards. And I'm an exception. I feel like I've earned that. So I just don't don the mask anymore. Like I used to, let's put it that way. I guess management has its, uh, privileges. So um, but a lot of the customers, especially, I mean, I've built, I mean, I know people all over the country, you know, I've been all over the country in this environmental business and some of the most major disasters in this country, as far as rail and truck and chemical plants and everything else. So, you know, and you build these relationships. And so, yeah, a lot of the customers come out and say a lot of, uh, peers that I work with and who works for other companies. I mean, you know, they have came out and watched some of the shows and I had a big group from, uh, uh, Houston. They, uh, got a couple of cars and came over from uh, a major, um, rail industry from over there that I've done business. I mean, they've seen me, they've known me since I've been in this business, you know, they're my age. And so it's been so supportive, you know, I've got so much, there's, there's naysayers out there too. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that make some pretty childish and silly comments about me and financial status and this and that, and, you know, and I just use that as fuel, man. You know, the, the negatives, I love them. I hope that they, you know, find happiness and whatever they choose to do. That's part of it. But, you know, 75, 80%, it's positive. And the customers and the people that I know and the people that I'm bringing it, I'm, you know, I've got so many friends, you know, with social media, like on the Facebook, you know, all of my friends that I grew up with, you know, they're not wrestling fans. They, that we had a show in Fort Worth, man, we had a big crowd show up because, um, and, um, it was, uh, their first experience at wrestling. So I'm bringing a lot of first, first timers going to a live professional wrestling, which is a good thing because a lot of them are also coming back. Like I, we wrestle up in Dallas and, or in Irving. And, you know, I've got a bunch of folks headed that way, you know, that they're enjoying it. And that was another one of my goals is to bring a whole new group in to help, you know, this business continue whatever part I can do. I'm not going to ever, never be the million dollar guy that's going to sell out big arenas. And, but if I can help independent professional wrestling become stable, become more profitable to, give other guys an opportunity to chase a dream, you know, then that's my giving back to the business and, and, um, and bringing people in. And hopefully I'm doing that. I'm sure trying. Well, you, you certainly are. And, and it's so interesting because again, you're this big hulking guy <laughs> who, you know, in your everyday life, environmental, uh, 
you know, business owner and you're into that world there and that's cool. But like you said, people look at you and, and when they find out that you're a pro wrestling champion, once again, you're not just a wrestler, you're a champion, which I think that distinction can't be downplayed. That is a very important distinction because what does it mean to be a champion? That means that the promotion well, let me- is hitching their wagon to you, right? Please, please say what you say, what you, how you feel about that, because this is very important. Well, so with the dog pound, pound for pound title, number one, what this title means is you got to, folks got to really understand the pound for pound title. This is one of the first, you know, this title represents wrestling royalty, as I say it, and that's Rodney Mack and Jazz and the dog pound championship wrestling. So worldwide, I mean, these, these, I mean, Rodney Mack and Jazz are worldwide people known in this industry. And now, you know, and everybody's looking at their promotion, you know, anybody who's anybody in this business now knows about dog pound championship wrestling because of who Jazz and Rodney are. And for me to be their first champion, and I did lose the belt once and I won it back and to represent this company with the title. I'm number one, it's an honor for me to be a champion. No doubt about it. What really is the honor for me is what this title represents and who it represents. You know, to me, it, to me, it's the biggest title going out there because of who it represents. This is not just some guy that, you know, when I, when I started my promotion years ago, I had a heavyweight belt. I had what I call an open division and I had tag teams. Yeah. They were very pretty belts, very nice. And they represented our company, but I, you know, other than what we did as a promotion, we wasn't nobody. This title represents Rodney Mack and jazz. And I can't say that enough. That's royalty. That's also a lot of pressure because I've got to show up and I've got to be ready. I've got to know that I have earned that opportunity every day and to, and for what I represent, because this is them, you know, whenever I go defend this title, or if I'm not defending the title, I'm somewhere. That's how I'm recognized. So yeah, it's huge. So no, it means everything. It means a lot more to me by what the belt represents and who it is associated for more than me just being a champion. That's all fine and dandy, and I'm honored. Who it represents and what it represents, that's the meaning. That's the, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the buttermilk right there. Well, I'll tell you, Hoss Holden, uh, you're a guy that I, I've been feuding with in my own way for, for the past six-plus years. You know, I'm no stranger. You're no stranger to me. We've had our battles on Facebook talking trash to each other about world affairs. Um, but you're you're more than double my size. I'm, I'm a pretty small guy. I'm only 5'6", yeah. okay? So it's not like I could take you. But I can certainly uh, take my podcast money and put a bounty on your head to get you straightened out here if you keep messing with me here. But uh, <laughs> but outside of that. <laughs> I like challenges. I like challenges. Anywhere. I bet, I bet you do. <laughs> but, I, but outside of that, I'll tell you, man, you are a class personified what I like to call top shelf. Uh, you're a man that did it right. You know, you put your family first, took care of business, but uh, you, you left a glimmer of hope. And when you had an opportunity to cross something off your bucket list, you certainly jumped full force into it. And, and you're living the dream right now, bro. It is just fantastic. And again, you're a champion. 
that means that you are one of the elite. You're one of the best in the world at what you do. And that is just the highest compliment ever to, and especially to do this where, you know, most of your opponents are, they're, they're what, 20 something year old kids, right? Yeah. Twenties, thirties, you know, if I wrestle somebody in their forties, you know, that's pretty old. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a definitely a unique situation I find myself in, but I'm very blessed to be in it. Um, man, I want to, I don't ever want it to end. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody never wants anything to end. You know, time is of me. I'm, I'm also a realist. You know, I know my time in this moment is now. I don't know how long I can and will be able to do it. You know, I've still got some goals that I've set that I want to accomplish. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in goals. And I try to do everything I possibly can to achieve every goal that I set. And, you know, there's one big bucket list that I still want to go after. Um, and I hope to achieve it, you know, before it's over. Are you are you going to tell us what that is or is this some kind of cliffhanger here? Well, my, my, guy, my, my goal is I want to wrestle at NWA. I think I think what the NWA right now doing is phenomenal. I think it fits my style. Uh, I know one, I'm a big Trevor fan. My gosh, I just I just admire the guy. He's just awesome. He's, uh, you know, he's a guy that I want to get a big old pan of cornbread with. We'll get a big old glass bottle of buttermilk and we'll sit on the front porch on the Medina River somewhere and just shoot the breeze. And that's that's heaven. So my goal, my, my ultimate goal is to one way to work and perform in some capacity at NWA. Wow. Well, NWA, I know that uh, many of you including the executive team, listens to the show. We certainly have plenty of friends over there, whether it be Tim Storm, uh, Maida, you know, uh, Mae Valentine, uh, some of the folks there, of course, and Jazz Rodney. and, and, and Rodney, Rodney, their relationship. Yeah. I've met Tim Storm recently. Tim is phenomenal. He's number one. Tim Storm is a phenomenal man. But Class he act. Is, yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. Class he's, act. Well, there's so many incredible people. There's so many incredible people I'm meeting in this business that's done so much, and I'm just – I admire them so much in their class and the, the wrestling community for the most part is just remarkable, hardworking, caring people, you know, business people. And, and, uh, and that we all have a, a love for it, you know, and there, but there is a true class of people in this business and definitely Tim, one of them for sure, man, it's just, but that, yes, that's, is my goal to get there. Um, you know, I'm earning my, you know, I've got to earn my way there just like anybody else. Hopefully, you know, my story has continued to get out there and being told. And, you know, I just got to continue to work hard and, and do what I'm asked to do and learn and continue to learn and continue to improve and continue to develop my strengths of what I can do in the ring and not worry about what I can't do and to pile up victories like I'm doing. <laughs> and I think I think it'll take care of itself. Sure will. It sure will. Listen, do you have any any bookings coming up? Um, I know that you recently kicked some butt this past Saturday uh, that just passed here. But what about looking forward? Do you have anything coming up where folks can come out and check you out? Yeah, you know, and I do want to talk about the Texas style wrestling and the TSW app. So, man, they're really doing phenomenal things. TSW is a part of the uh, dog pound. And if anybody wants to check it out, it's TSW. Dot com Texas style wrestling. You can Google it. They have an app. It's called TSW plus the content is phenomenal. Um, on there, you can watch wrestling. Um, uh, you can watch 
a lot of the dog pounds. They, they bring a lot of stars in as well. Uh, they're, they're, they're really doing phenomenal things. Uh, they're bringing a, they're investing so much money into the company and that's what they're building the company because of the app and how they want to stream the app. You know, people all over the country, all over the world is watching this app. And what's so cool about it, so many kids at the dog pound who I train with and, and work with and who are under the tutelage of Rodney and jazz, you know, we're getting to tell our story there. And, um, you know, and more and more people are watching it through the app. Um, uh, more people it's becoming, it's, it's becoming a, uh, big con was there. I mean, you, you just got, um, Teddy long as a general manager. He's very heavily involved in it. He'll be up there, uh, July. So, you know, night when we're back there, so he's really directing the traffic and, and, uh, but yeah, man, I would recommend anybody get this TSW. If you really are wrestling fans and want to watch the growth of everything that's there about wrestling, that there's something there for everybody to enjoy. You can watch the kids grow up. You can watch me tell my story. Uh, you can watch stars from all over come in and, um, it's got everything. You can watch it right there. You know, we talked about it earlier that, you know, this is more folks are watching wrestling on their tablets and iPhones and this is a great way to watch it so yeah highly recommend the TSW app I will be up there July the uh, 9th um, don't know who I'm wrestling uh, I'm sure I'm there will ask me to defend this title uh, I always defend my title up there I defended it last time I was up there against a, a guy he's called himself the best kept secret and he is a midnight special he's a very vocal young man uh, doesn't play by the rules, but he's also a very talented professional wrestler. And uh, he, we had a heck of a match. And I, like I say, so <clears throat> that was our last match. You can, it's on the TSW app now, and you know you can watch that match. It's available. So you know, um, I have no idea how I'm running. And then in August, I uh, we have our big show in Castroville, and um, I've got a few appearances. I. I'm doing a, I'm, I'm a guest on a, on a float, um, for the 4th of July parade. I'll be geared up and taking pictures. Uh, I'm getting a lot of contacts now. One of the things I've been doing, I've been speaking at schools, you know, um, I'm really enjoying that. And it's probably one of my favorite things to do. I go to the elementary schools and the middle schools and talk about, uh, peer pressure. You know, I think, you know, for years and you grew up through this Duke about, just say no, just say no, just, you know, and it's hard to say no sometimes because of peer pressure. So to me, by discussing with these kids about peer pressure, what that is and how do you reverse it, um, making good choices, good decisions. It's more than just saying no. It's about trying to find the root and then believing in themselves. You know, I got a bit about it and I mean, the teachers are loving it. The kids are loving it and I'm loving it. And hopefully, like I say, if I can, if it makes a difference, if you kiss life, we go along then, man, you know, then it's all worthwhile. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> now, now what about keeping up with you online? I mean, uh, do you have any social media that you want yeah, to plug? Basically, if they uh, want to, uh, I just, I mean, I've got the, the Twitter and I'm not a big social media. I'm not a big online guy, but I do got a face. I do a lot on Facebook because it's the easiest for me. And it's Don, D-O-N. Hoss, H-O-S-S, Holding, H-O-L-D-I-N-G. If anybody wants to check out, I, 
my Facebook, become friends, talk, um, follow me. They can follow me there. That's my, I know a lot of people do the Snapchat or whatever it is. I, I tell you a quick story. I know we got to go. So I tell you my knowledge of social media. So when I was sitting on this social, when I started wrestling, I said, well, I got to set up social media, you know, and other than Facebook, you know, cause everybody's got all this lines and hashtags and all this stuff. And I said, man, I got to get on this deal. So I started doing it. Well, I actually opened up a um, dating app and all of a sudden I started getting these messages from all. And, and I looked at my wife and I said, what is this one? And she goes, you know, I hope that this was an accident because you're on a date nap. And I said, Oh, okay. So, you know, so I got off that. My wife wasn't very appreciative of that, but <laughs> so, but no, I just, so I just stick with the Facebook Don Hoss holding and uh, you can look me up there and, uh, and follow what I'm doing. This is WWE hall of famer, JBL. And you are listening to Duke loves wrestling. Folks, as always, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.